Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Y'all, if you're visiting, I want to say thank you so much for being here. I love you. I'm telling you, we prayed so that you would be in this seat this morning. Amen. Many people have been praying so that you'd be in this seat if you're just visiting. And we're so thankful that you're here. And really, this is a holy thing, what we're doing here. This is such a serious thing, the gathering of the saints. And so I'm just so thankful that God brought you here. I don't believe it's a coincidence at all. You could have been anywhere in the world today, but you're not. You're here, and the Lord has a word for you. Amen. If we have faith to receive, amen, Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. Amen. So I just really pray today that that you came here expecting, that you came here with your faith saying, Lord, I'm going to receive something today. I'm going to receive a word today. I'm going to receive a miracle today. I'm going to receive a healing today. Amen. Amen. I don't know what you came in the room believing for, but I just want to challenge you. Believe God for something this morning. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Y'all, if you're joining us online, I love you. We pray for you. I pray that God's word impacts your life. I'm so excited to get into the word of God today. This is going to be amazing. And so this whole month, we've been talking about praise. We've been talking about thanksgiving. Amen. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed going over the scriptures and just reading about what the Bible says about the power of thanks, the power of praise. Uh, And it's really not just a cliche themed, you know, I know we're in Thanksgiving, so you kind of have to theme things. It it wasn't like that. This was led by the Spirit of God, this whole uh, series that we've been doing this month. And so there's so much power in thanksgiving and in praise. And so I was praying this week saying, Lord, okay, we've, we've went over this for several weeks now. You know, is it time to move on? And the Lord just kept bringing me back to some of these fundamental scriptures that we've been going over because I feel like it's a revelation that God wants to release in our lives. Amen. I'm going to give you a quote before uh, I get into the, the, the message today. Anybody ever heard of Bishop David Oyedepo? Anybody ever heard of him? If you've been to this church, you've heard about him. But Bishop David Oyedepo has the largest church on the planet right now. It was Dr. Cho in South Korea that had the largest, the largest church. But Bishop David Oyedepo now in Africa has the largest church on the entire planet. What's so amazing is that he built this church from the ground up, from nothing. And so he tells stories, testimonies of how... You know, when him and his wife first got married, he said that there was a time that they were sitting at their table in their little mud hut in Africa, and they only had one boiled peanut to eat between the two of them. Only one boiled peanut. So they had this peanut that they boiled, and they cut it in half, and they're sitting there, and he's, you know, as a man, just watching your wife, like, that's all you have to give your wife? You can imagine the kind of grief that he was feeling. And he looked at his wife, and in faith, he said, honey, I want to tell you, that this may be where we're at, but one day we're going to eat a three-course meal. Amen. One day we're going to have food all over the table that we are not going to stay where we are right now. And so by faith in the Spirit of God, the Lord used this man with no American dollars in the poorest country in the entire uh, planet to build the largest church on the face of the planet. Amen. I mean, they broke statistical barriers. They did things that should have been statistically impossible over here in Africa. They have no money. They have no people really with money to even fund the size of of the work of the Lord that they're doing over there. It's just absolutely incredible. And so the reason I'm telling you all of this is because if you're like me, I look at this man's life and I say, what does he know that I don't know? Amen. If I'm in the United States of America, I have a lot of opportunities to do something. Amen. I have a lot of opportunities to prosper. Thank God that he placed me in this country. But this man is in the poorest country on the entire planet and builds the largest church in church, not just today, in church history. The largest church that's ever existed on the face of the planet in history. What does this guy know? Amen. 
And it's so amazing. You know, people fly in. They're like, how did you do this? How did you see God do such a work when you had nothing available to you? How did you see? You know, they're sitting in a, in a church right now that I think that uh, they can host like a million people. They have like a million people every Sunday service that they have. Like every Sunday they run a million people in person in their building. I mean, isn't that crazy to think about? And so they have a building that's worth American dollars, you know, over 1 billion U.S. dollars. And it's crazy that the Lord can do that in a country that has nothing, in a country that's just, you know, stricken with poverty. How did the Lord do that work? I want to read you this quote because this is, this is so uh, timely with what we've been talking about all month. This is his secret. He says this. This is from David Oedepo. Quote, I saw him post it on his Instagram, so I took it straight from his Instagram last night. He said, for every little increase you see in your life, go into your room and sing praises to him. For every little increase that you see in your life, go into your room and sing praises to him. That is my secret. I do not ask him for anything. I just dance dance and dance before him so he keeps dazing me with his blessings you know you would think right the way that we are business-minded americans like entrepreneur type people you know you think you'd go to like some conference and let's learn how to grow a church let's grow let's learn how to grow uh an income let's learn how to be successful and you think he's going to give you some business model right and financial decisions they made that just made them prosper so successfully and he gets up there and he says you know what my secret is every time the Lord blesses me even just a little bit I go in my room and I shut my door and I start dancing before the Lord and singing praises to him and it's caused me it's caused him to through me build the largest church in the history of mankind on the face of the planet that's amazing isn't it can you say praise, praise. can you say thanksgiving this is the secret we're going to see as we have all month. This was the secret to David's life. This was the secret to many people in the Bible's life. This is the secret to many great men of God today and in history. The secret to how, why God used them the way that they did and how they were able to succeed and accomplish so much. Praise. Can you say praise? And thanksgiving. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Write that quote down, man. That's powerful. For every little increase you see in your life, go into your room, sing praises to him. That is my secret. I do not ask him for anything. Isn't that crazy? The man that has the most never asks God for anything. That's kind of counter to our mindset. Most of us feel like we beg God for everything all the time, and we still don't get anything. That's how a lot of people think, right? Like, man, I've been praying, I've been pounding my head against the wall trying to get this thing from the Lord. How is it that a person from the world standard that would say, oh my gosh, you have more than 99.99% of people on the planet says, I never even asked the Lord for anything. He says, because I don't have to. Whenever I begin to praise, when I begin to dance before him, when I begin to sing and give him thanks, it causes the hand of the Lord to move in my direction and give me even more. Hallelujah. I'm excited about today. We're going to go over some spiritual principles, some laws about thanksgiving and praise. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Seven facts about praise and thanksgiving. Seven facts about praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. There's so many passages in the Bible. There's, when studying for this, I'm reading through all these examples and these parables and these stories, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lord, we could literally probably spend the next year, you know, teaching on this. This is crazy how this is just through Scripture, front, front to back. And so, you know, I don't want to just give you a traditional message. This is because my mind works like this. I'm an ABC, like number one, number two, number three. That's just the way my, my mind works. Maybe some of y'all creative people. I've heard that creative people, they're just like, you know, you go into their room and there's just like a bunch of random stuff splattered against their wall with a little, the little yarn that's weaving everything together. Like, that's how their mind works. That's not the way my mind works. I got this folder. Like, you should look at our desktop. Everything's in a folder. Everything's in a folder. I just organize things. Like, this is over here. This is over here. This is over here. So I'm going to do that this morning. I'm going to give you seven facts about praise 
and thanksgiving. Amen. First off, number one, if you want to write this down, to start this off, it is God's will for everyone to praise him and give him thanks. It seems very elementary, right? It's God's will for everyone. Can you say everyone? To praise him and give him thanks. Man, this will help y'all. This will help you sitting on the front row right now. This will help you so much. Because this maybe isn't as much of a struggle with the older generation, but with my generation, there's a question a lot of people ask. What am I called to do? Why am I here on the earth? What's God's purpose for my life? Why have I been placed on the earth? And there's so many people constantly searching, you know, for what is the occupation that I'm supposed to, to be in for the rest of my life? What is my purpose? They're searching for this. And I actually want to show you something that will help you uncover the answer to that. But first, Psalms 150. It's only six verses long, so let's read this. Psalms 150. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God and his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Can you say his works? I know some of us spiritual people, we like to say things like, well, how many of you know you don't give God praise for what he does. You give him praise for who he is. But the Bible doesn't necessarily say that. It says praise him for his mighty works. Amen. You should praise God for who he is. Don't get me wrong. He is the king. Whether he did anything, he's still the king, so he deserves praise. But so many people think like it's wrong to see the blessing of the Lord in their life. And God actually wants you to give him thanks for what he's done. It's okay to say, Lord, thank you for giving me a promotion. Lord, thank you for the things that I've seen you do in my life. Praise him for his mighty works. Look back this last year and start making a list. What has God done in your life? What, how, how has God delivered you this last year? We all made it. Hey, everybody in this room's alive. You made it through COVID. Praise him for his mighty works. There's one thing you can do today. Say, Lord, thank you that I'm not on a hospital bed, on a breathing machine. Thank you that I'm not six feet under in the ground. I'm alive. I'm sitting in a chair today. Amen. Alive and well. Praise him for his mighty works. How did God sustain you? How did, he, how did your job, you know, did you keep your job through this time? Did the Lord see you through this time? Did the Lord promote you? Did the Lord rescue you maybe from things at times that could have really ended really bad for your family? What did the Lord do for you? You need to get intentional and begin to thank him for his mighty works. Amen. Show God that you know that he did it. Don't ever start, we're going to get into this, don't ever start getting prideful. I did it. Look how awesome I am. I mean, that's what, when you praise God, you're telling God, Lord, I'm going to make sure that you know that I know where this came from. Amen. Lord, I know this didn't come from me. I, if it was up to me, I couldn't do anything good. Amen. I know that this came from you, Lord. So I'm going to acknowledge you with my praise, with my mouth, with my lips, and thank you for everything you've done for me this year. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him, praise him with the lyre and with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and with dancing. Can y'all say dancing? dancing? Man, I wish I didn't have that guitar sometimes. I'm like, if I start dancing, I'm about to just smack, you know. Kim will end up getting a guitar thrown across the stage. It'll fly right out of my hands. Smacking somebody. But we just stand here and worship, you know. Have you all seen the Tim Hopkins thing where you, the different praise positions, you have the field goal, you have the, the baby, the carry the TV, the fish was this big, no, now the fish is this big. Dance, praise the Lord, act like there's something to be excited about for what God's done in your life. Amen. It says, praise him with dancing, praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud. Can you say loud? loud. Clanging cymbals. People come in here, you know what? That worship's just too loud for me. I don't like it. It hurts my ears. Well, I don't, the Bible says praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Amen. This is what God said. I didn't write the book. I'm just doing what he said. 
Look at number six. Let everything that breathes, can you say that breathes, sing praises to the Lord. If you have breath, that means you. It is God's will for everyone to praise him and give him thanks. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Right, I've been to church. Well, I see that guy that just got saved. He sure is on fire. He's up there dancing, but I've been here a while. You know, I, you'll settle down a little bit. Everything, if you have breath, you are to dance, you are to sing, you are to give praise to the Lord. Amen. Amen. That means you. Can you say that means, me? that means me? You know, a doctor might have a different calling than a pastor. They may be called to different things occupationally but it's God's will for everyone to praise him this is why we were created it doesn't matter if you're young if you're a youth if you're old it doesn't matter if you're tall if you're short if you're big if you're thin if you're white if you're black if you're orange if you're green it doesn't matter it's God's will for everything that has breath to give him praise amen I'll show you this first Thessalonians 5 16 through 18 Always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you've ever asked yourself the question, what's God's will for me? Well, there's two things we just read in the Bible. Number one, God's will for you is to praise him, to dance before him, to lift up your voice to him and worship him. And God's will is for you to always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful. Can you say be thankful? You know, the Bible says if you're faithful with the little, more will be given to you. There's so many people that won't be faithful to the basic things God's told all of us to do. Whether you're a preacher, pastor, plumber, electrician, doctor, lawyer, he's told all of us to do this, but yet we spend our whole life asking the Lord to reveal to us what our specific, Lord, okay, but what is my specific purpose? What is the specific revelation that you have for me in my life? It doesn't work that way. You have to be faithful with the little first, and then more will be given. Be faithful to do the things that he's already said it's his will for all of us to do. And when you're faithful with the things that he's already told all of us to do, he'll give you more revelation about what you are to do specifically. If I could give one bit of advice to the young teenagers right now in the church, stop being so focused on where you're supposed to be in five years, where you're supposed to be 10 years down the line. Focus your life right now on getting this right. When you get this right and you learn how to walk with the Lord, submit yourself to the Lord, obey the Lord, praise the Lord, worship the Lord, where he holds the key to your heart, he will tell you. It won't be hard to uncover what your purpose is. He'll tell you what your purpose is. Believe it or not, God wants you to do what you're called to do more than you want to do what you're called to do. God wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. Can you believe that? It's not hard to hear the voice of the Lord. It's not hard to know what you're supposed to do on the earth. It's not like God holds it like a dog and a tree and, you know, you jump to grab it and he just, nope, a little bit higher next time, buddy. You know, that's not the way that it is. But you got to be faithful with the basic revelation he's given us and then more will be given. Amen. It's God's will for everyone. Can you say everyone? Hallelujah. Everyone to praise him, not just the Pentecostals, everyone. Amen. If you do this, you'll find yourself in God's will. Let's look at number two. Number two, seven facts about praise and thanksgiving. Look at this. This is amazing. Number two, when you give God thanks, it provokes God to give you more. When you give God thanks, I'm going to show you a scriptural principle that Jesus modeled for us. When you give God thanks, it provokes God to give you more. Look at this. Let's read Luke 17, 11 through 19. Look at this. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy, can you say ten men, stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were cleansed. All ten were cleansed. Verse 15. One of them, can you say one? When he saw that he was healed, came back shouting, 
praise God. Can you say praise God? He fell to the, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Jesus healed ten. Nine of them didn't come back, and only one came back to give God praise and to say thank you for what Jesus did. And look what happens. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Wow. Can I just give you a side note here? God expects. Can you say expects? God expects our praise. God expects our praise. Most of the time, I feel like most of us are like the nine lepers, not like the one. You know, the Lord blesses us. The Lord delivers us. We're alive. We're well. We kept our job. Our family is alive and well. There's so many things to be thankful for. And instead, we just overlook it. We take it for granted. And we really act like spoiled little brats. We never even come back and give the Lord praise and honor and thanks where thanks is due. Only one came back. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten? I mean, what if Jesus was standing on our stage during worship? I mean, can you imagine this? And he's looking out, and he knows everybody's life. He's like, I know what I did in your life. I know what I did in your life this year. I know things that I moved in your life this year. I know things that I did in your life this year. How come there's only three or four youth kids up here jumping around acting like there's something to be excited about? Didn't I do something for all 30 people, 40 people that are in this room this morning? Didn't I heal 10, but only one came back? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Can you say healed you? The Greek word for heal is, is the word sozo. This is the word where we get our salvation. So where we get the word salvation in the Bible, the word sozo. That word sozo, sozo means healing. It means saved. It means restored. It means complete. And so you have to think about this story. Jesus healed 10 people, right? Their leprosy was gone, but only one was completely restored. Only one was completely restored. You know, his life was restored. Only one was saved that day. 10 might have been healed, but nine of them were still going to hell, and only one ended up receiving salvation. The only one that came back and gave God thanks. Amen. Here's the principle that I want you to see here. Only one of them got more than the other nine, right? All ten of them got something, but one of them got more than the other nine. The one who got more was the one who came back and gave him praise and thanks. Amen. The point was this. When you give God thanks, it provokes God to give you more. Only one got more. And the one that got more was the one that came back and gave God praise and thanks. I think about that quote we just read from Bishop David Oedepo. I don't, he says, I don't even ask God for anything. You know what I do? Every time I see a little increase, a little increase in my life, I go get alone and I just begin to dance. I begin, I, I watch videos, man. They know how to worship in Africa. I'm telling you, that music gets going. There's like a million people in this room and they're all doing this little like African tango looking thing. It's wonderful. Dancing before the Lord. He says, I don't even ask God for anything. I just dance. I just sing. And he just keeps dazzling me with his blessings, dazing me. Isn't that powerful? When you give God thanks, it provokes God to give you even more. Right. Hallelujah. Look at this. Write this down for point number three. What you thank God for multiplies. What you thank God for multiplies. I told you, I'm giving you seven facts. So these are just seven spiritual principles about praise and thanksgiving. Number three, what you thank God for multiplies. Look at John 6, 5 through 11. John 6, 5 through 11. Verse 5, it says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread for all these people? He was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And Andrew, Simon's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with such a huge crowd? 
Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks. Can you say gave thanks? And distribute them to the people. After he did this, he did the same thing with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Something I want to point out to you in this, in this story here. The disciples were focused on what they didn't have. Amen. Look what they said. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have. Jesus said, you feed them. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough to buy food for all of these people. Right? And then the fish and the bread is brought to them. And the other disciple says, what good is this? What good is a couple fish and some bread with this huge crowd? The disciples were focused on what they didn't have. Jesus thanked God for what they did have. The disciples were focused on what they didn't have. Jesus thanked God for what they did have. And what happened? What wasn't enough multiplied and became more than enough. Here's the spiritual principle. Take your eyes off of what you don't have and begin to thank God for what you do have. We're all focused on these things all the time. I don't have enough money. Right? My job's not where I'd like it to be. My house is not where I would like it to be. My car is not what I'd like it to be. My life is not what I would like it to be. That was the position of the doubting, unbelieving disciples. Jesus never focused on what they didn't have. Instead, he just thanked the Lord for what they did have. Amen. Man, this is so amazing. Jesus could have, Jesus could have got those fish just like the disciples and said, look, there's thousands of people, 5,000 men plus women and children. They said there could have been 10,000, 15,000 people that day. Jesus could have got that and said, well, little boy, you know, thanks for your fish, but honestly, like, that's just not enough. That's not going to cut it. That wasn't his attitude. Even though it was a little, even though it was, it was insignificant, even though it seemed like it was barely nothing and like this doesn't solve our problem, Jesus did not focus on what they had going against them. He took the bread and he took the fish and he said, Father, you provided some fish and some bread, just a few. I thank you. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for this fish. Thank you for what you've provided for me, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are El Shaddai. Thank you that you're a miracle worker. But God, thank you so much for this little increase that we have received. And what happened? What was not enough multiplied and became more than enough. What you thank God for multiplies. Amen. Guys, can I tell you, seriously, start thanking God for your job right now. Even if you don't love it, even if everything in your flesh tells you it's not enough, right? You'll never be able to provide for your family the way you want to with what you're doing right now. Start thanking God for what you have right now. Father, thank you. Even though in the flesh it seems like it's not enough and it will never work, thank you, Father. Thank you that you've given me this job. Thank you that you've given me this paycheck. Thank you that you've given me what you've given me. Stop complaining about your car and, and make an excuse. People say, man, you know, you see people rolling around in some brand new car that they went and financed for $90,000, and it's easy to sit back and look and say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm having to you know, kick the hood of this thing every day to get it fired up, check the oil every other day. Just thank God for what you do have. Take, stop focusing on what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have and he will multiply what you have. What you thank God for multiplies. Amen. You know, when we talk about giving, this is why, when even when we talk about tithing and offering, this is why giving has to be done from a heart of thankfulness. This is what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 when Paul took up an offering, he literally said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why was he saying that? Because if you gave reluctantly, I don't really want to, but I feel like I have to because everybody else is doing this, or in response to pressure, it literally will not produce the Bible promise of blessing that the Bible gives us, the promise of increase. 
The promise of multiplication, it has to be done from a heart of genuine thanksgiving. The Bible says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Can I tell you this? This is something you may not hear a lot of pastors say. If you can't give cheerfully, just don't give at all. It won't do you any good. I'm going to be honest with you. It won't do you any good. If you can't give from a heart of genuine, Lord, I'm thankful. Amen. Lord, I know that this little increase right now, giving you this portion, it really doesn't make sense because I feel like I'm not making the money I want to make. But Lord, I want to thank you because I have a job that still I statistically make more money than 98% of the rest of the world population. There's people that they're having to drill water wells because they don't even have fresh water. And I'm complaining that, you know, you're asking me to give a fraction of the surplus that you've given me living in the most prosperous country in the entire world. I mean, there's so much to be thankful for. Amen. And what you thank God for. That's why we give from thanksgiving, because what you thank God for multiplies. When you take something like a gift, like a tithe, like an offering, and you bring it to the Lord, and you say, Lord, really, genuinely, thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me in my life. The Bible says it will multiply. According to 2 Corinthians 9, Paul said, what? You will be increased and enriched in every way. Why? Because when you give from a heart of thankfulness, thankfulness causes what you have in your hand to multiply. Y'all still with me this morning? Let's move to point number four. Y'all getting something out of this? Point number four. Praise brings promotion. Praise brings promotion. Here's a spiritual law you need to learn about praise and thanksgiving. Praise brings promotion in life. We started out with Bishop David Oedepo. He said, this is my secret. Praise brings promotion. Amen. Let me show it to you in the Bible. First, John 4, 23. Jesus said, the time is coming. And indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Can you say the Father's looking? The Father is looking for people that will worship him. The Father is looking for people that will dance. They'll go in their room whenever he, they get a little bit of increase and sing praises. That's not ashamed. That'll dance before the Lord. He's looking for people that will worship him. Let me ask you this question. What happens when he finds the person? Praise brings promotion. I wish that we could have David from the Bible, King David right here, you know, and interview him before this church and say, hey, give us the keys to success in your life. How did you go from shepherd boy to being the king over all Israel? Tell us the keys. Well, it's amazing. The word of God actually tells us. David actually answered that question. This is wonderful. But before I get there, the father is looking. Can you say it one more time? Say the father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. David said in Psalms 119, 164, I will praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. Do you say seven times a day? This guy knew how to praise God. Apparently, God is looking for people that will worship him, and he finds this little shepherd boy out in the field who has nothing, right, who was the least of all of his brothers, who wasn't a family of royalty, who didn't have money, who is an outcast, but yet he's in the field, even in a place of insignificance, and he said, Lord, I'm going to praise you seven times a day because your regulations are just, just thanking the Lord for who he was, amen, thanking the Lord for his word. You know what's crazy, guys, is that there's people that worship demon gods that are more dedicated to praising their God than we are as Christians who serve the living God. The only God who's alive. The only God who's going to count before, when we stand before them one day. You know, you go to an Islamic religion, they have points several times in the day. They blow a horn, they hear a sign, they roll out their mat, and they start giving their God praise and worship. Man, and we're just so, uh, we just lack so much when it comes to this, this dedication, being intentional. 
Can I tell you, make Thanksgiving a spiritual discipline in your life. Do you know what a spiritual discipline is? It's when you, you determine in your mind, I'm going to do something, even if it's inconvenient, even if I feel like i got a million things going on, I'm going to set this a part of my schedule every day where I'm going to make time to give God praise and thanksgiving. That's what David did, right? I can imagine he's sitting there, he sees the suns right in the middle of the sky, he says, all right, it's time to give the Lord thanks. It's time to praise the Lord. Amen. Seven times a day, he said. Seven times a day, I'll praise you because your regulations are just. Praise brings promotion. Can you say praise brings promotion? Let me show you another example. So the father was looking for somebody that would worship him in spirit and truth, and he found one. His name was David. David says this in 2 Samuel 6, 14. They were bringing the ark into, into the city. And this is what David's doing. And, and in verse uh, 14 and 15 of 2 Samuel 6, it says, David danced. Can you say danced? Before the Lord with all his might. All his might. He was just dancing. He was letting it rip. He didn't care who looked. He didn't care who was watching him. He danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. It says, so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing the ram's horn. Skip down to verse 16. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Look down at verse 20. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him, and she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. He says in verse 21, David reported to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord, look at this, who chose me above your father and his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel to the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. I, yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humili humiliated in my own eyes. Why was David like willing to be humiliated? I'm going to dance. And he said, you know what? You can laugh all you want, but God promoted me above your daddy and his daddy and your brother and my brothers and every other person that was right applying for the job. The Lord chose me above all of them. Why? Because I learned the key to the Lord's heart. Seven times a day I praise him and I thank him. Praise and thanksgiving brings promotion. This is the key to God's heart. You know, the book of Psalms says, make thanksgiving your sacrifice to God. You know what he was telling his people when he wrote this in the Old Covenant? He said, you know, I really, God's like, I really just don't love 90 animals getting butchered and their blood going everywhere. He's like, believe it or not, guys, I really just, I don't love that. You know what I would love? If you would just be thankful for everything that I've done for you and obey my word and be children that live in my house and live in my, bless in my blessing and learn how to praise me and learn how to thank me for everything that I've done. You'll be good. I'll be good. We'll live together. Amen. Praise brings promotion. Look at number five. Are y'all still here this morning? Praise and thanksgiving. Oh, man, I love this point. This is the point we've been preaching on all month long. Number five, praise and thanksgiving brings forth your blessing. Praise and thanksgiving brings forth your blessing. Psalm 67, 5 through 7 says, May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then, can you say then? Then, say it one more time. Say then. If you got a Bible and you got a marker, a highlighter, a pen, a pencil, circle the word then and underline this line. As the nations praise God and, and all the nations praise you, the Bible says, then the earth will yield its harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. Amen. 
Praise and thanksgiving brings forth the blessing. Verse 7, yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him. Then the earth will yield its harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. You know, the Bible talks about sowing seed. You know, the Bible says that the, the justice of God cannot be mocked. You will always reap what you sow. It's talking about actions. You know, there's different types of seed in the Bible. Number one, 2 Corinthians 9, there's financial seed. You know, the Bible uses that word seed. That's not a word Christians made up. That's not a word TV evangelists made up. That's the word Paul used when he was taking up an offering for Jerusalem. He literally said, a farmer who plants a few seed gets a small crop. A farmer who plants generous seed, it's just like human logic. I go out there and I plant a little, you know, three foot by three foot patch pumpkin patch, I'm going to get a little crop. I go out there and I knock down 10 acres of trees and I plow that land up and I plant 10 acres of pumpkin patch, I'm going to get a much bigger crop than I did planting a, you know, a little three foot by three foot square. It's just, anybody can understand that. So the Bible talks about finances being seed. He says when you give, you know, it goes forth like a seed goes into the ground, in the same way that a seed goes into the ground, and a pumpkin seed, it doesn't just make a pumpkin, it makes a pumpkin vine. And on the pumpkin vine, it grows multiple pumpkins. He says the same thing will happen. It's, that's how it works when you give into the kingdom. So it says your finances is a seed. Amen. Your actions are a seed. When God says that in the book of Galatians, the justice of God cannot be mocked. You will always reap what you sow. He's talking about people that were unjust. People that went around causing problems, being, you know, just sowing wickedness, destroying other people's lives. He says, look, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It will catch up to you. The justice of God cannot be mocked. You will always reap what you sow. The Bible talks about the word of God being the seed. There's different types of seed in the Bible. Amen. This is what's so amazing. It says, when you praise, it causes the earth to yield its harvest. And our God, our God will richly bless us. We all also cling to the passage that says, you know, do not grow weary of doing good, especially to those in the household of faith, because you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. You have a harvest waiting for you. Amen. Can I tell you, if you're in this room, you have a harvest waiting for you. If you've given financial seed into the kingdom, you have a harvest that's waiting for you. If you've done good works and you've, you know, lived in the kingdom, you push the gospel forward, you've been a Christian, you've been a citizen, a son, a daughter that lives in the kingdom, you have a harvest waiting for you. This is what I'm getting at. So many people understand how to sow, but sowing doesn't bring in the harvest. I go out there and sow a wheat field just because I sowed it doesn't mean I have it. I don't have it until I harvest it, right? I don't have the hay until I go out there and bale the hay. I don't have the pumpkin until I go out into the pumpkin patch and pick the pumpkin. So, so many people know how to sow. So many people know that principle, but then they stand there and say, Lord, how come I'm not seeing the promise? How come I'm not seeing the blessing? It's because you haven't learned how to harvest the crop that is due to you. And the Bible says, when you praise the Lord, the earth will yield its harvest. Praise is the harvester of your crop. Write that down. Praise is the harvester of your crop. Praise is the sickle that goes out into the field and gathers in the harvest that is due to you. A lot of people know how to sow. A lot of people really don't know how to give thanks to the Lord and worship Him. And so therefore, they see a lack when it comes to their return. They see a lack when it comes to their harvest. Amen. How do I get what I got coming to me? Amen. I got blessings coming to me. I don't know about you. I have a storehouse of blessings coming to me. How do I tap into those blessings that belong to me, the, the harvest that belongs to me? Through praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Bishop David Oyadepo, I never ask the Lord for anything. I just thank him for every level of increase that he gives me. I dance, I sing, and it just seems like it just keeps flowing like tap water in, in, into my life. It just flows like a river. Amen. 
Praise and thanksgiving brings forth your blessing. Hallelujah. Man, that's, that's amazing. Look at number six. We got two more this morning. Number six. Praise and thanksgiving bring victory without even having to fight. Maybe I should preach this message like 90 more times. Sometimes they say, you know, you got to preach something like 100 times before people really get it. This is very, uh, this should help a lot of people, guys, because we literally live in a culture where Christians walk around defeated all the time. I hear Christians all the time talking about how the, they lost this battle to the devil. I've just, the devil's been doing this. The devil's been doing that. They're constantly fighting, and not only are they constantly fighting, they're losing. It seems like you talk to them, they just, they truly believe they're losing all the time. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving bring victory without even having to fight. Acts 16, 25 through 26. Look at this. Acts 16, 25 through 26. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. So Paul was in prison. He wasn't in Candyland. He was in prison. Literally shackled up. And it wasn't like our prisons nowadays where, you know, they got three meals and human rights and all these things, you know, that we have. It was bad. They didn't have, think of this, they didn't have indoor plumbing back then. And they were chained to walls. What do you, I mean, you can connect the dots. Wasn't a great situation to be in at the moment, I would say. They were in prison. What were they doing? Crying out to the Lord, Lord, please deliver us. Fighting the devil. The devil threw us in this prison. God, please, from heaven, shake the You know, they, what were they doing? It says, they, it says this, they were singing hymns to God. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. You know, a lot of people say this too. The other prisoners were listening. This is what I want you to get. You can't praise God silently. I'm praising God in my head right now, amen, in my spirit. You better believe I'm praising the Lord. They weren't, they weren't listening through the discerning of the Holy Ghost. They were listening because Paul and Silas were with their mouth verbally singing praises and songs and hymns to the Lord. Amen. Look at this. Look, look what happened. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains, uh, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The Bible says this is the will of God for you to be thankful in all circumstances. Can I tell you, there's some circumstances, like you don't have to be a psycho. That doesn't mean you're driving down the road and your tire blows out and you're like, Lord, thank you that this tire blew out. I'm just so grateful. You know, thank you for this, Lord. Thank you that I get to go buy a $300 tire. Thank you, Lord. No, you don't have to be thankful for all circumstances. The Bible says be thankful in all circumstances. I think that Brandon, our, our brother Brandon Walnunu, he was here at the last prayer meeting, and he said Christians are supposed to be thermostats, not thermometers. You're not supposed to just gauge the spiritual temperature of the room that you're in, right? Well, it's hot or it was cold. You're the thermostat. You turn it up. If it needs to be turned up, you turn it up. Amen. You're the, you can set the spiritual climate and the spiritual atmosphere everywhere that you go. Paul and Silas were in prison. They weren't complaining. They weren't looking at what was against them. They weren't looking at all of these things. Well, I guess we could die, Lord. And if we die, they were just singing. They were just saying, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we are, are servants of you. Thank you that we get to carry your message. Thank you that you died for us. Thank you that we are born again. I mean, there's just so many things they could be thankful for. And what did it, what did it cost to happen? It caused the hand of God to move on their behalf in their situation. And the prison doors opened up without them having to do anything. And their chains fell off without them having to do anything. Praise and thanksgiving brings victory without even having to fight. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, look at this. Second Chronicles 
20, 22 through 25. King Jehoshaphat, he gets a word that there's all of these surrounding armies, right? All of the towns. It's like Lufkin got together, Dibal got together, Zavala got together, Nacogdoches got together. You know, they pulled some people from Houston. They pulled some people over from Shreveport and Beaumont. They all got together and they said, Huntington, we're going to come through your town. We're going to kick y'all's butts. We're going to tear it up. King Jehoshaphat's like, we're this little bitty nation. Y'all, and I find that so amazing. How, how is it, just a side note, that a small little nation like Israel is able to back down these world powers? They have the hand of God on their side. Amen. They know how to praise. They know how to worship the Lord. There are people claimed by God. Amen. It doesn't matter how big the army is when you have the Lord of Heaven's armies fighting for you. Hallelujah. So King Jehoshaphat, there's all these armies surrounding them. And he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, there's, there's you know, thousands, there's thousands upon thousands of people. What are we going to do? They begin to fast. They begin to pray. The Lord gives a prophetic word and says, you know, basically tells them the Lord's going to deliver you. You're going to have victory. So what do they do? They get up. They receive the word of the Lord. They start praising God. They start thanking God. He said we're going to have the victory. Everybody shouts. They start singing praises to the Lord. Look what happens. Look in verse 22. Now they're actually going to engage in the battle. The Lord told them they're going to win. They engage in the battle. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. So I'm sorry. Let me back up a moment. King Jehoshaphat by the instruction of the Lord, sent the worshipers out first. You know, you think you're going into battle and you're going against thousands of people. You're already at a disadvantage. Like, man, I'm going to get my big old boys out there, right? We're going to get, just mow down as many as you can. You know, soften it up for us. They sent out the people with no weapons, just dancing, singing, playing strings, playing guitars, playing flutes, playing harps, just dancing and praising the Lord. That seems backwards, right? But praise and thanksgiving brings victory without even having to fight. In verse 22, it says, at the very moment they began to sing. Can I tell you, the very moment you begin to praise God in the situation that you're in, even when the devil's coming against you and he's trying to intimidate you and he's trying to bring this world's report against you that tells you this negative report and get you in doubt, unbelief, fear. How am I going to do this? How is this going to work? Begin to praise the Lord for what he's done. Begin to thank the Lord for the victory that you have in Christ. At the very moment, can you say at the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. Can you say praise? The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat, look at this, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. There's two principles. When you begin to praise, you get victory without even having to fight, number one. Number two, praise causes the earth to yield its harvest. Their problems went literally from Oh my gosh, we're going to die to, oh my gosh, now we don't have enough arm space to carry the amount of blessing that God just poured into our life. Amen. Wouldn't you like your situation to go from, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to buy a sandwich for my family to eat next week, to man, i got to open up another bank account because they don't insure my money past this amount. Amen. Can you imagine the level of blessing if we had faith like that? Amen. Praise and thanksgiving bring victory, brings the victory without even having to fight. They didn't even have to fight. Hallelujah. Look at number seven. This is my last point. Number seven, praise and thanksgiving doesn't only take you to the blessing, it keeps you in the blessing. Praise and thanksgiving 
doesn't only take you to the blessing. We've just went over that extensively this month. Praise and thanksgiving keeps you in the blessing. Here's something that everybody needs to learn. You don't only need to learn how to acquire the promises of God. You have to learn to remain in the promises of God. The Israelites didn't only have to enter into the promised land. They had to remain in the promised land. I'm going to show this to you practically, how this applies to us. Look at Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 14. God warned them, right? This wasn't a correction. This wasn't a rebuke. This was a warning before they ever got there. He was saying, look, I'm about, I'm about to bless y'all socks off. I mean, I'm really about to take you to a place like you have never seen before. I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great upon your life you won't even be able to contain it. I'm going to fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I'm going to, I'm going to have it given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over to make room for more, poured into your lap. I'm going to increase you in every way. But this is what he says. When you have eaten your fill, when you get there and you get into that place of blessing and you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise. Can you say praise? praise. Be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. When you get that breakthrough, when you get that promotion, when you get that thing that you've just been believing the Lord for and working hard for and putting your hand to the plow and the Lord opens it up, he says that is the time. Be sure to praise the Lord. Be sure to praise the Lord. Can you say praise? praise. We think that when we get into the blessing... When we get into a place where, hey, now I'm not struggling so much, right? It's not so much of a financial strain on my life. We think that that's the time to take it easy in life. And it's not. Actually, God said, that is the time, verse 11, to be careful. That is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God. Disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and you've built fine homes to live in, that's great. The Lord said there's nothing wrong with being blessed. There's nothing wrong with the promised land I'm taking you into. But when you get there and you've built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. When you verbally praise the Lord, you were reminding God and telling God, Lord, I know where this came from. Even in giving, you give, you just verbally thank the Lord for your job. You're telling the Lord, Lord, I know that it's not because I'm just so awesome and because I'm so educated and because I'm just so wonderful and I'm because I'm better than everybody else. No, when you begin to praise the Lord for what he's given to you in your life, you are telling him, Lord, I know that this came from you. This came from you. You did this, Lord. Father, never let me get into a point where I just start thinking that I'm so big and bad and amazing and wonderful and awesome. Let me always give you recognition, Lord. You blessed me. You did it. You provided for me. You restored my health. You restored my family. Hallelujah. God said when you get into the place of plenty, don't get careless because that's what people do. Right? Now I got a little bit of money. Watch how people change when they get a little bit of money. Why? Because they got into a place of blessing and they weren't careful and they became proud. How do you not become proud? You intentionally, continually humble yourself and tell the Lord, you know where it came from. You gave it to me, Lord. You gave it to me, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not the time to take it easy. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask my, my worship team to go ahead and come up to the front. Go ahead and leave the lights on for me. We'll just leave them on. We're going to praise in a minute. Ask my worship team to come up to the front. This is what I felt led to do this morning. If anybody in this room, before I pray over this word that we just received from the Lord, 
There's several things that the church, you know, did in the Bible. For one, the Bible says, are any of you sick? Bring your sick to the elders of the church. And it says in your prayer, or they'll anoint them with oil and your prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. You know, this isn't something that we've created in the modern church, a time of ministry, a time of impartation, a time to pray for one another. This is Bible. This is biblical. If you're sick, the Bible says also, if you've sinned, confess your sin one to another, that the Lord will forgive you. This is a time not to live in a pattern. Right? I'm going to go in here. I'm going to do it the, the religious way. I'm going to get right on Sunday morning and Monday morning, you know, Monday afternoon comes. It's time to live like hell. And then show up to church and say, I'm sorry, and show up Monday morning and live like hell again. That's not what I'm talking about. But do not allow yourself to live in a place of condemnation. Do not look. Guys, as we're on this journey, many people have made mistakes. Many people have, and it's not, I'm not justifying anything, but because of immaturity, because of flesh that we haven't crucified, there's times where we need to come and just get right with the Lord. Amen. And it's so much better to get right with the Lord because he's not a voice of condemnation. The Bible says he wants everybody to be saved. He's not looking at anybody wanting to shame you, wanting to embarrass you. That's what the Pharisees did. They drugged the woman out who was caught in adultery in front of everybody and pointed at her and said, look at this, look how horrible she is. What did Jesus say? Where are your accusers? They left and he said, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus isn't offering you a license to sin, but he is offering you forgiveness. He is offering you grace. He is offering you mercy. He wants to uh, impart his spirit in your life where you can live, like Romans 6 says, above sin. You don't have to live in the bondage of addiction. You don't have to live in the bondage of depression. Y'all, we think addiction, we think meth, we think alcohol. I'm talking about social media even I'm talking about several things that the world's never seen before but this generation is addicted to that does have a stronghold over our life you don't have to live subject to the devil the Bible literally says that when Christ came when we put our faith in Christ he rescues us from the kingdom of darkness and translates us to the kingdom of light of his dear son you're not in the devil's playing field anymore amen can I tell you this? The devil doesn't have a right to your life anymore when you put your faith in Christ. You're not in his domain. You've been seated in Christ now. Colossians 2 talks about how Christ at the cross, he shamed the devil publicly with his victory over him on the cross. You know what that means? You know, they were talking to ancient people in, the, in this time that understood when a conqueror would come into a territory and conquer a territory, they would take the leader of that territory and throw him in a cage and then like drag him around town for all of his people to watch him be humiliated. And then he would drag him to the, to the center of the city in front of all of their people and the king that conquered the territory would throw the king out and put his foot on his head as a sign of dominance. Just like total shame and dominance. The Bible says that's what Jesus Christ did to Satan with his work on the cross. He shamed him. He's defeated. Jesus defeated him in front of every demon in hell. Every demon in hell knows that you have the victory. They just want you to believe that you don't have the victory. Amen. If you are believing God for anything, this is what I felt from the Lord. Anything. If there's something, if it's physical healing, if it's just Revelation, anything. I mean, I want you to hear me. Jesus said in Mark 11, 24, you can pray for anything. Can you say anything? And if you believe that you've received it, you shall have it. Religion puts a box on what God will do for you. The Bible doesn't put a box on anything. doesn't put a ceiling on anything. If you're believing God for anything, can I just have everybody stand to your feet? If you're believing God for anything and you want to receive something from the Lord, just lift your hand. Hallelujah. If that's you, if you lifted your hand, just come to the front. Step forward. I'm just going to quickly pray for you.
I'm going to have my worship team. Y'all just begin to worship if you're still in here and you're not receiving prayer. If you will, just form a line so I can see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what I felt the Lord have me do. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.